Welcome to Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever's On the Wing Podcast. Buckle up and ride shotgun as we cover everything you need to know about the uplands. The habitat. The hunting. And of course, your favorite bird dogs. Now showing at pheasantsforever.org slash ripples is the new film by that very name, Ripples. It's about finding community in the uplands. It's the story of how profound a difference one, one single person can make just by putting positivity into the world. We need a whole heck of a lot more of that in 2022. Positivity. Ripples marks Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever's second collaboration with filmmaker Eric Peterson. And as you'll likely remember, last year's film was called Long Way Home. It was a story of a man's reconnection to the memories of his deceased father through his return to pheasant hunting. The focus of Ripples, this year's film with Eric, it's about his youngest son, Casa, and our returning guest to the podcast, Douglas Spala. On this episode of On the Wing Podcast, we're going to talk to Douglas and Eric about the film and what it means to both of them, as well as uh, dive into some of the feedback they've received so far about the film that was unveiled to the, to the world on the evening of September 1st. So it's been out for about a month now as this podcast airs. Uh, special thanks to Thoroughgood Boots, the underwriting sponsor um, of the film Ripples and helping our organization bring this important message and through this film to life. So long-winded introduction, fellas. Thanks for sitting through that, but uh, really thrilled to welcome you both back to the podcast. Eric Peterson, Douglas Spala. For folks that you, you both have been on a couple times now, um, you're featured in the film, but for folks that are coming brand new, cold, never met you before, let's start with, we'll start with Eric. Give us kind of your backstory, who you are, where you grew up, and um, lead us up to kind of the film. Thanks for having me on, Bob. It's always fun to get to chat with you and uh, appreciate the time. Uh, my name is Eric Peterson. I'm a photographer and filmmaker based in Montana. I grew up in Minnesota, um, the son of a extremely avid hunter. Um, I was one of four boys and, and most of our free time was spent outside hunting, fishing, camping, that kind of stuff. I moved to Montana in 2000, the day after I graduated college and have been hmm. making my living as a uh, making my living with a camera ever since in the great state of Montana. And I, I don't see myself leaving here. I love, love living here. I now have two boys. They're 13 and 14. They're getting into hunting now. And it's, um, that's kind of the passion of my life right now is getting them outdoors and, and exposing them to the world of hunting, which, um, which this film sort of revolves around. Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, that's kind of the short and sweet of who I am. So, it, it, what what town in Minnesota did you did you grow up in? Yeah, I grew up in Cambridge. I went to okay. um, graduated high school there. Went to Bemidji State University for a couple of years. Figured out what I wanted to do with my life. Transferred to Saint Cloud State University, of which I know Bob, you're an alum. Uh, go Huskies! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think I missed you by like maybe two years. We just barely okay. missed crossing because I graduated in '96. So you you would have been there in '98. Is that right? I graduated high school '94. I started St. Cloud '97, '98, '99. I believe are the years I okay. was there. Yep. So I'm just a hair older than you, probably. Quite a bit, I think. <laughs> i knew something I, I, I was teeing it up and i knew you well enough you're gonna swing at it good man good man uh douglas thanks for joining the podcast um you've been on I think it's two episodes right i think this is the second one the last one was right after the grouse woods last year 
Oh, that's right. To, to right after you joined um, the organization on the national board of directors. Correct. Correct. So okay, so let's back up and tell folks where you grew up and in your background. Yeah. Well, thanks again for having me on. It's always a pleasure to be here, and it's kind of cool about how all this has come about and have you guys on the other end of this conversation. But my name is Douglas Spala. I'm from Nebraska. I was adopted and grew up in Nebraska, Fremont mostly, and then moved out and went to law school and lived in Chicago for a few years. And now I'm a practicing attorney based out of Kansas City. And engaged? Big, big event coming up? I am engaged to be married in April, so long as she is happy that I bought a new setter this week. So, <laughs> oh! <laughs> engagement this is pending. a surprise to me. <laughs> engagement <Yeah>. pending. <laughs> yeah, she, I think she's happy with it. Um, we will have a house of three dogs now, but uh, yep, uh, you, you point, Douglas, you point, this is this is a curveball. <laughs> you pointing dogs got to me. <laughs> so. Uh, you're you're throwing off my outline completely. This the the entire film is about you in Labradors. What happened? You're a setter guy now. Yeah, setter and a lab guy. I just I enjoyed a Montana trip way too much, and when I got back, I told myself I needed a white dog, and I got one. And part of that trip up there, we I have a friend and a the Blackfeet Reservation up there, and he needed a new dog because he lost his setter. So I brought him one for our part of our trip up to Montana. And after I left, I mm. started thinking to myself, man, I, I kind of want one of those white dogs too. So I bought one, and we'll go back in about a month or so up to the Blackfeet Reservation, and they're going to name the new pup for me and everything. So I'm really, really excited about this opportunity. So it'll be cool i I know the black dog thing is really a a serious part of my life and the world you know you got to mend and move with the world and that's that's the way it is and it'll be such an honor to get a new dog with a new blackfoot name and i'm super excited well congratulations that's i was not expecting you to announce on the podcast you're getting a setter it just completely threw a curveball for me (laughs) i'm sorry i shouldn't have mentioned it either but i just got too excited looking at eric because he already knew (laughs) oh that's very fun that's very fun so you alluded to the role of the podcast and being the impetus for the film ripples and i want to go there and douglas i'm going to ask you to tell it from your perspective before i do let you get your gather your thoughts there and give a shout out to Onyx, sponsor of On the Wing podcast. If you, the listener, wants to find more birds this hunting season, look no further than the Onyx Hunt app. Private and public land boundaries are just the beginning of Onyx's countless tools available to make you a better and safer hunter. Download the app for a risk-free seven-day trial, by uh, and then use the code pheasants or quail during the checkout for 20% off your membership at onyx.com. And this is important. Use that code pheasants or quail, and if you do, Onyx is going to make a donation back to Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever's wildlife habitat mission. So Onyx believes in our organization, believes in our mission, and if you use that code, pheasants or quail, they're going to make a contribution to our habitat mission that will produce more birds and create more public access for you, the upland bird hunter. All right, so Ripples, we're not going to talk through every component of the film, but it seems appropriate that the podcast with Eric played a role in serving as a catalyst for the creation of of this film talk about the very beginning in your mind douglas yeah so i was listening to your podcast the devoted fan and it's just fun to listen to you talk through everything while i'm out scouting or hunting or doing whatever in the fall and i heard the episode with you and eric as it talked originally about photography but when Mm -hmm. that conversation deviated a little more into him and his son and how he adopted his son and their relationship. 
but how he was looking for mentors that looked like his son. That request hit me in a very striking way. So I reached out to Eric and I was like, Eric, love the podcast. I would love to be a role model for your son because I know or I had a similar experience to growing up in that type of community, that type of mixed race family in that type of environment. But hunting to me is a big part of my relationship with my father, but also a big part of who I am today. And I'd love to be that role model. And Eric and I exchanged messages and then we got ingratiated with the PF and QF folks and that this led to that. And here we are today with a beautiful, beautiful film about the melding yeah. of or mending or binding of our two families through this shared experience of adoption and race and hunting and dogs. And it's, it's so, so special to my family and I to be able to meet Eric, host him in our house, meet his son and be like, that was us at one point. And I hope in the future that Casa also has that ambition to really strive and meet other people and connect with alike or people that aren't alike with him, but just being able to feel comfortable in his own skin, in his own space mm -hmm. and wherever he's at and not fear of anything else. So that's, that's that. That it's amazing story. And, and we'll talk about the word ripples for the name of the film, but it does embody that title. And I think at the very, the, the pebble that created this all was Logan Hinner's. And Logan select our, our graphic designer who puts the Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever journals together. And he saw a photo that Eric, I don't know if you submitted it, Eric, or yeah. if he was searching through Instagram, um, but it was a photo of Casa with a short hair and a, and a rooster. He was like, well, this is one of those priceless images. And we, and we use that in our journal. And that led to a story to make a pheasant hunter and Eric and I remember distinctly like talking to you Eric about would you be comfortable telling Casa's story through the journal and I, you, you went back and talked to your wife about it it wasn't it was something that okay let's am I ready for this right yeah um that single photo it's I know we'll get to the title eventually, but that single photo and Logan picking that out was certainly the pebble. Um, at that time, I mean, Casa was 12. He was, and to some degree still is struggling with his identity, um, being one of the, you know, one of the only black kids in his school. And, and we live in small town, Montana, relatively small town Montana. So there's just not a lot of diversity. So he's all his life um, wrestled with the concept of being adopted, not entirely knowing his his past and this reality of, of being a black kid in a largely white world. His, his world is largely white. Mm -hmm. So it was, uh, there were a lot of conversations that had to be uh, had leading up to before I could really go there personally and for Casa, just to make sure that he was comfortable with it. Um, ultimately, we decided it was, he was good with it. Um, wrote the story, which in part was just about raising kids in the uplands and in part was about mm -hmm. raising Casa specifically in this world. Um, and, and the feedback from that was kind of overwhelming. Like mm. it, touched a lot more people than it affected a lot more people than I would have guessed, including Douglas and to get Douglas's message kind of out of the blue, this person that I'd never met before saying, Hey, I'll be that person. I was like, geez, this is kind of amazing. I don't, mm -hmm. I, I didn't expect this. So, you know, it was more of a rhetorical thing, but here's this person who's got essentially a very similar story to Casa's um, their lives parallel each other really closely in a lot of different ways. Um, and I remember him, I remember Douglas saying early on in the conversation, I've got this vision in my head. I really want to get a photo of me and my dad and you and Casa 
hunting together in Montana. And that was kind of the spark. I thought, well, that'd be amazing. Let's, let's get, a, let's get you guys up here and let's hunt together and let's get that photo. Well, things happened. <laughs> <laughs> Conversation started and suddenly that single photo turned into a film. Uh, Gosh. and it's just kind of amazing how it all unfolded and how organic, how organically it started w with and continues with pheasants forever and the ripples that douglas is creating by stepping up and stepping out and you know casa is creating by being willing to put his story out there uh i don't like we don't know how far these ripples will continue to go i think mm -hmm. we're just the the they're just starting this uh this could go on and affect people far further than we would ever have anticipated. And that's the exciting part to me is like, yeah. we don't even know the power of this movement that has been created, but it's powerful and it's yeah. still making waves. It's genuine, it's powerful, and it is positive. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's such a, you know, it, it, you get out of a movie and they ask you, you know, a review, well, what'd you think? I laughed, I cried, it was a triumph of the human spirit. It's a cliche. But this film did all darn three of those things, right? <laughs> you'll laugh, you will cry, and you'll feel like there's a lot of hope in the world. Yeah. You know, we can get downtrodden with things, but damn, like having a having a person as genuine and good-hearted as Douglas yeah. reach out and say, like, I'll be that mentor. Yeah. It's like, you know, there's a lot of skepticism and trolling that goes on in Instagram, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but... You know what? Over and over, like I've had a number of podcasts with people like, you know, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook has actually brought good people together. And here's just another example of that. Yeah. Um, can, go ahead. It, it, it can certainly be a positive community. And it seems like the Upland world that exists. It's kind of cool that you, you're able to meet people that you wouldn't otherwise meet and go hunt with them and then become friends with them. It's it's kind of cliche, but there's a truth in it. In every cliche, it's like if person's a dog, you know, if they're a good dog person, yeah, they treat dogs well. Yeah, they probably treat people well. Like if they somebody you know just is rude to their dogs, they're probably not somebody you want to spend a lot of time with. Yeah. Right? So there's there's a nugget a kernel of truth there. Yep. So we are gonna get to. A little bit more Casa's story and how um, Casa's doing. We're going to talk about the title ripples and feedback to the movie. I'm going to start at the beginning. Um, it, it, you know, Douglas completely threw a curveball with getting a setter. But <laughs> his life, your life, Douglas, has sort of been marked through the progression of your docs. And you talked about that. That's kind of the rough outline of the film. Uh, I'm curious... Uh, you know, and we don't have to break down the film bit by bit. We want people to go watch it. Pheasantsforever.org slash ripples. But I am curious, um, you know, a, a, an important component of that is your, your dogs and the connection to your father. How is your father doing today? Twenty, You know, September 2022. And a huge component about talking about his, his bout with cancer and see him in, in hunting with you in the fall last season. Um, how's he doing today? He's doing he's doing well. He's still coaching and he's still teaching and proud of that fact. But now he's five years removed from those two bouts of cancer. And we have some big plans coming up to hunt this year. So I'm really excited to bring him another new pup. It's going to be a different color, but that's okay. <laughs> he's excited too. He said, does that thing point? And I said, I should. So he's happy. <laughs> it's going to make shooting roosters a little bit easier for him maybe, huh? I think so, yeah. <laughs> um, tell us about Kutop. Uh, entering, if I if I remember correctly so when we saw each other in the north woods of wisconsin that was kutop's first wild bird hunt september of 2021 so now fast forward september of 2022 you got a year under her belt and i know you've been to montana how's kutop doing she's doing well it'll be interesting to see how she blends with this new big running setter but she's doing she's doing great she's on a, off to a good pace we did that 
North Dakota early goose season and had some success in Montana, aside from all the heat. But I'm super excited to see what she's going to do. And hopefully I make it out to see Eric again this October as well to show <laughs> her the improvement because it's that is the fun part about building these dogs is seeing year one to year two and three and four yeah. as they progress. She spent a lot of time this summer working with a trialer on a bunch of her retriever work. So I, I am happy with where she's at right now. Very fun. It, you mentioned the setter is going to get named by the Blackfoot resi- um, tribe that has given you the setter. Is it, did I understand? She's that? out of a uh, guy in Utah, but like in the film, all of my dogs get native names as a way to kind yeah. of commemorate those, our connection to the tribes and the, to help out the language and just, I think it's a unique thing to do. And mm-hmm. our friend up there who's a guide and a tribal member at the Blackfeet is what kind of spurred this setter movement for me, if you will. And so <laughs> I told him I was getting one and he was like, well, you better bring it up to name it. And I said, let's do it. So she didn't have a name yet. She'll get a name next month. And I think that's a way to keep that connection to the Blackfeet moving throughout our lives together. Yeah, that's super cool. I love when there's a story behind a, a dog's name. Now, you know, our mutual friend, Matt Kaharski, gives me crap for my names always reverting back to something in Michigan. But, you know, I, I still like having the story and, and having sort of a, a throwback to a connection that's important rather than just naming a dog, you know, Sparky. You know? And there's nothing <laughs> wrong not with the Sparky. there's anything wrong with yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I love that, you know, Shunka and Kuto, really, really cool background to the names. All right. So a- as the film prog- progresses, it transitions to you arrive to Montana, Douglas, you meet Casa, um, and it shifts a little bit to be a story about Casa. Um, how's Casa? How old is Casa today, Eric? Casa will turn 13 October 1st. And, you know, as a 12-year-old, when you film this, you know, you, you get some insight into CASA, but it's also probably pretty intimidating for the film to be largely about him. Tell us, like, a little bit about CASA's personality that maybe doesn't come through in the film. What, what people should know about CASA as a, as, a, as a little person. Yeah, he's, uh, he's such a cool unique kid he's fun and funny um he's passionate he has an incredible sense of justice um and i i think it's funny there's a there's a moment right before he and douglas meet on film and casa's mic'd up and he was so nervous going into this i didn't realize how nervous he was i knew he was nervous because there's a mm-hmm. lot of pressure riding on this mm-hmm. and I, you know i'd had some conversations with him leading up to it like this is you know, this is how it's going to go. And this is what we were going to need to do. And even though you might be tired because you woke up too early, we're going to go hunt with Douglas and that kind of thing. But so I had him mic'd up for that meeting, that first meeting. Um, and, I, and I never realized it until I went back and I was editing the film and I could hear that hit on his microphone. He was saying, oh my gosh, I'm so nervous. Oh my gosh, I'm so nervous. He was saying it out loud in the microphone. Mm. I was like, oh, that poor kid. I had no idea yeah. just how how much nerves he had going into that. But um, he's an amazing, resilient kid, and he's so full of joy. And I mean, it's yeah, I can't. He's he's my kid. I'm obviously biased, uh, but just amazing what he's been through in his young life, and is still able to. Um, be just a joyful, fun-loving mm-hmm. dude. For the yeah. most part, he lives for soccer and his dogs. That's kind of his two main passions in life. That's cool. Yeah. Hey, how many dogs are, do you have these days? We've got two. Yep, okay. uh, a poodle pointer and a short hair. Okay. You're not going to surprise me and say you're getting a setter too, are you? I, um, <laughs> I, am, I am not going to surprise you yet, but I... I'm looking down the line. I can see the draw. I just got done shooting a short film that included a white setter and, and watching that dog work Mm. 
in the field. It's just like a different, I love watching my short hair run. I love sure. how short hairs move, but man, those setters are beautiful. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, they're it kind of, I don't know, this maybe will be off a little bit, but they're kind of like ballet dancers yeah. in, uh, across the uplands. They have yeah. so much grace yeah. and the great big t feathered tail. It's just, there's there's music yeah natural naturally produced music when they're running they're just yeah. gorgeous yeah one thing i caught when casa you know one of those moments where he's talking to you not necessarily for you know and you guys are he's struggling a little bit to to connect with with roosters that mm -hmm. you know that not to be a spoiler alert but the climax of the film is a connection with a rooster but right before that, he said something that actually made me <laughs> laugh my tail off. He's like, they're not as easy as Sharpies. And it's like, <laughs> oh, my God, Ka Casa, Sharpies can be so much more difficult than roosters. I thought that was – so it sounds like he's done a fair amount of prairie grouse hunting. Yeah, we, we do a lot of hunting. And the reason he said that is because he had shot a sharp tail earlier in the season. So he had had success. That was the first bird that he was able mm -hmm. to get. Um, and so in his brain, those were easy and he had been missing, you know, some pheasants and sure. this was your, this was year two for him hunting and hadn't connected on a pheasant yet, had had some shots and missed and was starting to get frustrated as you do when you miss yep. a fair amount. We all do. Um, so in his brain, Sharp tails were easy and pheasants were hard. <laughs> which which you can, like especially early sure. season sharpies when, you know, if things work out right, especially with a pointer, that yep. points a covey. And if you're ready for that sleeper bird, that like they can be. But, you know, I, I was thinking, oh, my gosh, I have struggled mightily on sharpies. <laughs> he just has a little bit of confidence and he'll get there. But yeah. the film, is, as I tease, like it climaxes with he's struggling to get a rooster in. Is almost serendipitous, Douglas. You're on the other side of the cattail slough. You're pushing birds out. And you sort of signal Casa. Tell us a little bit about that. Like, did you... It was foreshadowing. Did you have a feeling it was going to sequence that way? Or was it like, oh, I just love it when a plan comes together? Yeah. So that is... that part of the film always really gets me because I think at that moment you can tell Casa's frustrated and Eric's talking him up, soothing his mm -hmm. pain and trying to get him refocused and recentered. And in that moment, I'm there like trying to indicate, Hey, we're going to be all right. There's more up there. My father's at the end. We'll be okay. But also in my mind, I'm thinking that was my dad and I 20 years ago as I had to lug around his big, 25 pounds side by side and toughen up yeah. but it was just so cool for me to see that almost mere image of my father and i and eric and his mm -hmm. son preparing him for the next things that are to come because eric knows his dog's looking good we know there's other birds up there and he's just preparing his mm -hmm. son to get ready to take that next step or that next shot and that's kind of indicative of things in his future that are going to be tough and to me, it was pretty emotional to watch that because you think Eric's a good guy. He, he, he can get his son prepared for the things that are tough in his life. And just to watch that, because it's, it's a mirror image for me. It's, it's like a flashback yeah. in a moment. And so that's a, it was super special to see that. And then as we progress, you know, the success happens. So that shot uh, resonated pretty deeply. And then after that, that part of the shoot, my dad and I had a, a little moment just kind of talking about that because we had similar exchanges when we were growing up and I'd be like really upset or frustrated about things and he would have to console me and set me straight and stuff. Mm -hmm. So it was, it's so cool to see that in real life and then be able to reflect on it and then capture it in beautiful put, uh, footage in the middle of Montana. I mean, what more can you, yeah. can you ask for? Well, and Casa's probably got a top five smile in the entire world. And it was as bright as the sunshine on kind of a gloomy day. Um, what what was maybe what 
Casa shared with you personally, Eric? Because it felt like when he connected, like there was relief there on Casa's shoulders. What um, what did you see? What did you feel? What what has Casa told you? Yeah, I don't I don't think we could have scripted that any better. And obviously, there's no scripting in in pheasant hunting. Mm-hmm. You just you you hope for the best. Um, that spot was kind of my ace in the hole. I had saved it for that day. It was mm. kind of the last day when all four of us were going to be hunting together. So I saved the best spot for last, hoping it was going to be as good as I had had um, a couple years before when I'd hunted it. So there was a lot of pressure, not just on Casa to, to connect, but on like, we wanted these elements to come together for the film. Um, I mean, I think you can almost see the relief kind of <laughs> fall mm-hmm. off of him mm-hmm. after that happened and and the awe of of it all probably on all of us on all of yeah. our faces i mean i know sure. for myself it was like oh just a huge mm-hmm. deep breath because all of this stuff that we'd been building up towards finally it worked mm-hmm. and that was amazing in and of itself and then for casa to feel that redemption of being able to actually connect on a bird mm-hmm. full stop but then also connect on a bird for the film with the with the right. camera crew behind him um and then just like i again i couldn't have scripted any better but douglas uh Kuto found the pheasant so douglas ended up with it in his hand and mm-hmm. not to give too much away but that exchange between douglas and casa was like mm-hmm. uh, it's like a baton or something. It's like we, because yeah. mm-hmm. when Casa and Eric are working there, my dad and I are signaling to each other because we know what's going to happen. We've mm-hmm. we've been through all life struggles in that at the twenty years prior to it, and we know he's probably going to have success. And at the end, it's like almost symbolism of us passing a baton to Casa and being like, "Hey, man, things are going to be tough in the world, but I got you. But." take this gift with you and let's, let's move forward together in this new path in life. And so it, just... it really, it really was symbolic of like yeah. Douglas handing, not just a pheasant, but like a gift to Costa. Yeah. And there's, it's sweeter that there was struggle leading to that too, it, which is another kind of metaphor for life, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, if you yeah. guys just went out and kicked up a pen raised pheasant, and Casa shoots it without any struggle. Yeah, like it alleviates the the buildup that re- leads to joy. Yeah, and while he endured through struggle, it actually makes him stronger for everything coming ahead. But then, not just makes him stronger, like the happiness that you witness from success after you get through that tunnel it's yeah. like we all experience that whether it's bird hunting or your career life yeah. you know so it's it's you know it is very symbolic of everything that you know we experience as part of the human condition but you know put out in a pheasant hunt and, yeah. and it was really really interesting to watch um we've talked about it a couple times let's let's answer the question about ripples where because you and i like i don't know if you and douglas have talked about this but eric and i have never talked about ripples we have a really cool working relationship where you know we kind of come to agreement on like here's what we're going to do and then you know i'll let you do your thing and and you know you always come back like right on point with pheasants forever sort of brand in ideology and one of those things was the name ripples is like well that couldn't be more perfect so tell us how that how that came to be um to be honest i think right from the start that name popped into my head and douglas correct me if you remember this differently but i think right off the bat just experiencing Douglas stepping up and seeing like, just by listening to that podcast, he joined the national board of pheasants forever. He Mm -hmm. stepped up to be a mentor to my son. He stepped out to offer himself to the world in this way. 
-hmm. And to me, it was like, well, this guy is already creating ripples just by stepping out. That, mm -hmm. that was like kind of the obvious um, path to the name ripples. The, le the more meta, less obvious path was that this whole movement, this whole film, this whole concept is a product of ripples. Like mm. I could go, I could probably go back 10 years, but I, mm. but I, as I was thinking through this question, I, I certainly went back like four or five years when another photographer hooked me up with Andrew Vavra, Vavra, Vavra. Yep. Okay. His contact at Pheasants Forever, uh, which, so I started sending photos to Andrew because I had a small collection of pheasant hunting photos. And I thought, I'm a photographer. I do a lot of pheasant hunting. Why wouldn't I send? So I started sending photos to Andrew. That turned into an outlet for me and my photography in the mm -hmm. upland world, which suddenly I was shooting a whole bunch more because now I had an outlet that I could send my photos to, which turned into me sending those photos of Casa, which turned into Logan seeing them, turned into how to make a pheasant hunter magazine story, turned into the podcast, turned into Douglas hearing the podcast, Wow. turned into this film. And like I said before, like there's there's a fair amount of ripples right there. And we don't yeah. know. We have no concept of how far out this is going to go. So that like this whole movement has just been following these ripples out, which is pretty amazing. It's perfect. Uh, so, OK, so let's talk about the, the the movie as we record this. So September 15th, um, it's been out for two weeks. So we have no idea how broad those ripples are going to go or have already gone. But I'm curious, start with Douglas. Um, feedback, you know, maybe you could tell us some anecdotal stuff that you've heard since the, the film has been out. Any Anybody reach out to you with um, comments about the film, any stories that you want to share on the, on the podcast? Yeah, so all the feedback that I have, had and received has been positive which is a good thing because the film is kind of puts myself and everyone and all the everyone else involved in kind of a vulnerable state because one of the themes sure. is race and the way the climate of the world is right now race can sometimes be just such a divisive topic but the way eric does the way eric tells the story and the way the themes mend and move it it seems like it leads itself to give positive ways to resonate with other people. And I've, I've had plenty of phone calls and text messages and Instagram exchanges with people telling me about how the film relates to them, resonates with them as far as adoption or growing up mm -hmm. in a community that may not look or sound or act like you, or even as a template to getting other people involved in the outdoors. I talked to a guy the other day who was telling me about how he has these friends in New York that are Chinese and they have started to get into bow hunting and that this film resonates with them because it shows him kind of a format to be able to ingratiate them into the outdoors and show that this is a welcoming space because the New York, the Chinese guys from New York who come down to Oklahoma and bow hunt are just, it's just like a very um, unique situation or even the fact that there's people in our that are involved in the adoption agency, which my parents got me from, and they have just been mm -hmm. so proud and happy that from the little boy that I was, my parents got me to an astounding film like this is just such a compliment to the work that they did to put me in the position mm -hmm. to have success in life. And I'm sure as this continues to move, however Eric and Casa came together, you realize those sacrifices and those blessings that people give you, and you just feel like you're so proud to give back to all the advantages you have in life. So it's been very, very positive, and that's what I hoped for because I was a little, you know, a little worried at the, at the, at the beginning because you don't want to step on someone's toes, but it's, it's, it's nice to hear that everything that's come back is happy and positive. People are excited to see it because our cast is a, derivative of most upland shows and it's it's nice that that a lot of those themes resonate with people in many different ways and i'm happy for that yeah that's it's interesting it's so obvious now that you say the adoption connection you know because casa is adopted you're adopted and and this is like a true dream scenario for you both and it it is a big part of the story that it, it is a feel good you know and you take 
doesn't matter what ethnicity you are like here's two adopted kids that go into happy homes and that isn't always the case whether you're born into it or adopted you know and this is this is a really genuine story of about family at its very foundation um Eric, what what's the feedback been for you? I mean, you you live in the film world, so you you do you produce all sorts of films. Um, does this stand out differently for you in any way? Well, yeah, it certainly stands out differently for me personally on a number of fronts. Mm-hmm. I've never been in front of the camera before, so that was unique and challenging. Um, I'd never done such a personal story before. And that was hard. I mean, I give huge props to Douglas for opening up on such a vulnerable level, such a personal story, um, mm-hmm. as well as Casa. Uh, like, it, that's not an easy story to share with the world, but it's, a, I think, a necessary story to get out there. Um, and yeah, it's been all positive. It's been amazing. I think probably the feedback I'm most proud of is just coming from from dads from mm. parents of kids be they adopted and I'm I'm pleasantly surprised with how much feedback I got from adopted parents saying you know thank you for this story this hits really close to home but even uh, parents who are just have biological kids there I've gotten some amazing feedback and I think my biggest fear with this film was that it was going to be too um, too narrowly focused on these two families, that it wouldn't be a universal enough theme that it would carry over, you know, outside the adoption or outside the um, whatever. Like mm-hmm. part of my goal with films is to make them universal enough that it will affect a large number of people. Um, mm-hmm. So I think I, I've been really pleasantly surprised with how diverse an audience has been affected by it. Yeah. Yeah, three audiences that, from the feedback I've seen, you know, coming into the organization, Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever. So first, we shared this internally with our employees and our board of directors. And that audience is super, super proud of this film. Like, this is... Like, yes, we need to be welcoming as a community to to everybody. They, you know, if, if it's just the old days of 50-year-old white guys, you know, we're not going to be able to talk to the landowners and the new generation of hunters. Like, we need to be welcoming across the country, north to south, east to west, male to female, right? Like, mm-hmm. for the longest time, you know, women have felt ignored in the hunting community and and i think thankfully that's changing too you know but our employees have felt really strongly about this is a great film that they can be proud of and similarly with our chapter officers you know the volunteers pheasants forever and quail forever officers that put on banquets and work in their communities this is a film that you know i've had requests to show the film kicking off banquets right Mm. this is something like Hey, this is a way to 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 make everybody welcome and tells a really compelling, genuine story. The other thing, the other audience is uh, other conservation organizations, which I've shared um, some of those email feedback um, from with you guys. That uh, um, it's just been really nice to see sort of the community rally around this film and share it on some of their social channels as well and uh, that's a credit uh, back to douglas being a genuine doing this for uh, you know altruistic purposes and eric telling what could be a really difficult story in 2022 with finesse that keeps it focused on the good rather than the potential debate there so it's been really really positive and in the viewership has been through the roof you know it's it's uh shared on social media it's, it went through on our email blast today hopefully this podcast will introduce a, a whole new round of, of folks to to watch it and you know we have um, 
journal article, a feature article written by Eric coming up in the fall issue and it, like cut the ties to the movie. That was a really creative um, article that you wrote too. So it, it it's Thank you. like, yeah, I mean, certainly your, your front end talent is on photography, but you should write a little bit more. Aaron. <laughs> well, it Thank was you. really, it was really creatively done. And so if folks are not members yet that um, there is an article in the fall journal written by Eric with some of the photography that you probably haven't seen yet that is in the journal. So join at pheasantsforever.org. Um, you can do it right on the website and you'll get uh, signed up and you can get the fall issue. Um, all right, let's let's look ahead uh, for the year ahead, the season ahead. What's um? Well, we'll start with Douglas. What's on the the hunting horizons for you this season with uh, with Kutop? Yeah, so we're taking a big trip out west again in October, and we'll go pick up our new little new little dog on our string, and then we're gonna take our first trip up to Calgary. So that'll be exciting to go to the hunt capital of the continent or the North America. So we're super excited for that. And then my dad and I have a special trip planned in South Dakota in November. So that'll be, that'll be fun. Very nice. Very nice. Um, Eric, what's on your hunting horizons and what's, what's, uh, what's Casa anxious to do with you this year? Well, Casa's excited to, to uh, go follow the dogs around the field. We've been out shooting uh, clay pigeons a bit, trying to, hone in on the shooting. Um, so we're headed out for youth opener in a couple weeks here. And then um, we've got our usual boys trip to Northern Montana up on the high line that we do every year that, that we've got planned. So um, just a, a lot of kids, boys, pheasant hunting going on really. My older son is excited to get his, to get a deer, to try and get a deer again. So we'll do a little bit of deer hunting, but Casa's really into the dog. So that's that's kind of his forte is bird hunting right now and henry is your Henry's, older son's name yep. yep that's right yep and he's 14. all right so as i as i round the corner closing thoughts i'll ask you each for closing thoughts but i i know both of you you know have um your own social media channels and uh, i'm thinking about tailgate tales and some of the things going on so we'll start with eric like closing thought put a bow on ripples for me but then also if folks want to see other things you got going on where do you want to point them towards well i have a lot of closing thoughts first i want to thank douglas and his family because they were amazing uh to open up their home and their lives and their story and share it with not only me but the the upland hunting community it's it's a real gift to be able to that's why I do what I do is mm -hmm. to be able to share stories like this. So I, Douglas, thank you for that. Um, and then clearly, since I was mostly in front of the camera on this one, I was not running the camera for most of this film ripples. Um, and it would not have happened without the crew that we put together. So Jasper poor was kind of my co-director and Kirk Rasmussen and Jake Auberg were um, also part of the crew that, that this wouldn't have happened without. So I appreciate those guys. Uh, my son, Henry was the production assistant on this one. He <laughs> shot some, shot some behind the scene photos for us. And uh, obviously Casa was in it. So it was a very fun family oriented, friend oriented trip. We had a great time uh, that week we spent together in Montana with Douglas and his dad was a super fun time. Um, and then, yeah, other stuff I have going on. We, in, a, in addition to Ripples last fall, um, Jasper and I shot a series, an upland hunting series called Tailgate Tales. It's got its own um, Instagram. You can find it there. And then uh, the episodes are dropping every two weeks. We've got one coming out this week, number four of five. So you can find those Tailgate Tales episode on YouTube. Uh, on YouTube. Um, and those are just, that was a concept we came up with that was fun to do we have a different creative person on each episode kind of talking about their art and how that ties into the outdoors and the hunting in the upland mm -hmm. hunting world so um that's been a fun series to work on and 
and we've gotten a lot of great feedback on that too. Just people are excited to have, um, excited to have something to stoke the fire leading up to hunting season. So that's always fun. Yeah. Right on. And what, what's your personal Instagram? Uh, just Eric Peterson photo. Okay. And yeah. Eric with a K, Eric Peterson with, a K. with an E-N. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's the future for ripples in terms of festivals and, and, uh, competitions? Is there kind of the next phase for the film? Yeah. So I'll submit it now, now that it's out, I'll start submitting it to some of the film festivals. Um, I think there was talk of maybe a premiere somewhere down the line in conjunction with pheasants forever. I'll let you, uh, <laughs> take care of those details, but yeah, it'll be, um, I'll definitely submit it to a handful of film festivals and, um, hopefully it'll get kind of a, a second life, um, through that outlet. Right on. Yeah. Douglas closing thoughts and, um, make sure you throw out your uh, social handles too. Yeah. I think first of all, I got to thank my parents for giving me such a beautiful gift and opportunity at life. So both my mother, Pam and my father, Fred, but again, thank you for, uh, to Eric and his son, Casa and Henry and, Bob and the Pheasants Forever uh, organization. It's been such a wonderful opportunity to capture all these cool aspects of our lives and put them into this beautiful film. So thank you for that. And thank you for everyone for watching the film. And I'm glad and I hope you guys continue to reach out to Eric or Bob or anyone else out there and let us know how it impacts you because I think that's important to hear back. That feedback is, is, is helpful. And then my social media, I just have an Instagram account, and it's my first dog's name, so it's Shunka, S-U-N-K-A, underscore O, underscore War, W-A-R, Shunka O War. That was my last Labrador. Cool. Fellas, I I really sincerely, you know, Eric, you mentioned it a couple times, you know, Douglas putting his, and Casa, putting their kind of heart and soul um, opening up a vein for an audience to see and that takes courage and it takes a, a lot of bravery to you know bury your soul for the greater good and you did they both both you Douglas and Casa did that for the greater good of the upland world and um, we're indebted to you appreciate that um, thank you for your time on this episode and for folks that um haven't seen the film yet, pheasantsforever.org slash ripples, R-I-P-P-L-E-S. Um, go watch it. It's a, it, you'll laugh, you'll cry. It's a triumph of the human spirit. It really, truly is, is something the organization is incredibly proud to have our logo stamped on from beginning to end. Um, and special thanks to Thoroughgood Boots for being the sponsor of the film and bringing it to, to life. All right, fellas, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Um, safe travels, happy hunting, and we'll look forward to seeing the English setter change <laughs> Douglas's life on Instagram. <laughs> That's right. All right, folks. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> thank you. I'm for, um, for Eric Peterson, for Douglas Spala. Thanks for listening to on the Wing Podcast, I'm Bob St. Pierre reminding you to always follow the dog. Something good will rise. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>